Dr. Chris Foreman, thank you so much for uh, joining me uh, today for this conversation on uh, clinical research. Uh, you are the president and CEO of Clinical Research Strategy Group, uh, as well as Precision Research. So glad we're speaking finally and uh, happy to get started. Thanks for having me on, Praveen. I want to start by asking you, uh, what is the difference between the two companies that uh, you run, CRSG and uh, Precision Research? It's kind of how they conduct business is the main difference. So Clinical Research Strategy Group, the customers for CRSG are, are one, the site that really wants to build research but doesn't know how to get started, doesn't want to take the time to build uh, or to, to figure out how to build infrastructure. Um, the second customer in CRSG is the site that is already built and already running research, but maybe wants to take it to the next level, whether it's just increasing the profitability, increasing the geographic size and, and scalability. Um, but the key with that group is, is to really provide groups that want to do good research, the tools to build the infrastructure and allow them to be sustainable long-term on their own. With precision research, precision is a, 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 it's called a centrally integrated research network or CERN. And what this is, is it's a network of really, really good GI clinical research sites around the country who have shown a lot of, of performance in the past, who already do good research. And what precision does is contracts with pharmaceutical companies to bring studies. And once we bring uh, the study to the research network, then we handle a lot of the pain points for the sites. We handle a lot of things like the startup, handle the contracting, we handle the budgeting, um, the regulatory, for instance, is all, all done for them. We build out the source documentation, we build out uh, the study in the CTMS system or clinical trials management system. So we do a lot of the heavy lifting, which allows the sites that are part of Precision to do what they do best, which is identify patients for trials and get them in and see the patients. How did you personally choose to focus on uh, clinical research versus doing what everybody does, either going into private practice or academic uh, medicine? Yeah, great question. So, so after medical school, is I got an offer from, uh, from a pharmaceutical company to come into their medical affairs division. And I worked for seven years in, in IBD uh, at the pharmaceutical level as a medical science liaison and then a liaison between clinical operations and, uh, and medical affairs. One of the things that that allowed me to do is see a bunch of clinical research happening across the country. And I saw sites both academic and community practice and worked with those sites in clinical trials. And what I noticed was there were a lot of sites that were probably destined for failure in the next five years. In other words, the burden of doing research at their site was becoming so much that they weren't going to be able to, to kind of keep it going. And because of the burden and because of the pull of their, their regular practice, the doctors were probably at some point going to have to make a choice and decide whether or not they wanted to devote more time to this research effort or whether they just wanted to, uh, wanted to continue their practice. Then went to, to work uh, for TDDC and the GI Alliance and worked with a great partner, Dr. Tim Ritter over there, where we for five years built, uh, built that program to, to one of the premier GI clinical research programs in the U.S. And after that, I, I decided to, to really continue to, to do what I, what I think I, I love doing, which is 
helping sites become really, really good, whether or not it's going to be a true ancillary for the practice or whether they just want to, to improve the clinical research or be able to offer the clinical research to patients. Why should uh, GI practices consider research as an ancillary? Reasons to, um, I think, to do research as an ancillary in the practice and to, to create an ancillary out of it um, are that it, it sort of helps everyone. If you look at it from the patient standpoint, from the patient standpoint, the patients have access to those therapeutic advancements that most won't have access to for the next 10 years, and they have access to them today through clinical research. So it's a great way to, uh, to, to bring those things to patients sooner. It's a great way to be able to see the patient more. If you take IBD as an example, you know, I think all of us believe that, that in the ideal world, we'd be able to see our patients uh, sooner than, than, let's say, six months for a visit. And with, with research, you're able to do that. You're able to see your patients on a graduated scale to make sure that their disease is being aided by the approach that you're using. For the practice, you know, I think to our point, it can, it can certainly be an ancillary. You know, we look at these, at these research visits, and I think ideal to me in my mind is an average patient visit in research generating around seventeen dollars to $1,800 uh, per visit. And a coordinator, when I look at how many visits a coordinator ought to have over the course of a month, generally speaking, what great looks like to me is somewhere between 20 to 30. So if you multiply, let's say, 20 visits by about $1,800 per visit, you can see that at, if you have the patients in your practice and you bring research into the practice, it doesn't take long to really grow to a point where it can, uh, can become a good ancillary. Mm -hmm. So that's the direct value for the practice. The indirect value is that not every practice has research. And so the way you're viewed in the community, if you have a research program going on at your clinic, may be much different than the gastroenterology practice down the street. And that could impact things like referrals as you get referrals in from, uh, from primary care. That could impact the way that, that patients sort of view your practice if you have research. And then the last part is, is profit. So if it helps the patient, if it helps the, the practice, does it help the, the bottom line? And the way that research runs in a lot of cases in practice, it's kind of a break-even type of, of prospect. But there's a way to, and a method, to really making research become profitable. So if you like the first two pieces, if you believe that it helps the patient, if you believe that it helps both directly and indirectly the practice, there's a way to get to profitability. Now, when a practice uh, decides to engage you or work with you, uh, what are the exact steps that they can take? Well, it depends. In, in clinical research strategy group, I mean, the best thing to do is, is reach out. And then what clinical research strategy group will do is take a look at where the, the research is currently in the practice. So in other words, do they already have a foundation for research or are we building uh, research from scratch? And either one is okay, but there's different strategies that go into, into both of those. One of the things that we rely on heavily is, is a clinical trials management system. It's sort of like an EMR for research and it allows a lot of transparency into the program it also allows us to draw metrics on the program. The other things that we do to, to get started are we, we create uh, SOPs, standard operating procedures, that represent what the sponsors want to see out of research and what the FDA wants to see out of research. We create a corrective and preventative action plan or CAPA plan 
A CAPA plan is what we use whenever something goes wrong in research and we have a protocol deviation to make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. The other thing we do is start to establish a budget for the sites based upon the actual value of the time that they'll spend in studies. And we put together justification letters so that when the sponsor comes back and says, well, we can't really give you X number for this particular procedure, you say, hey, look, that's, that's my policy here at the site. With precision, again, we're looking for sites that already have good research program going on. They're already doing fantastic research. And what, uh, what they can do is, is get in contact if, if they have it already. And, um, and we can look at sort of what that, what that model would look like for them to, uh, and the types of studies and studies that we have on offer that we could bring in with full precision service. And we do that at no charge with precision. So the sponsor pays us and so the site does not. But again, they need to have that CTMS system in place. That's the most important piece because that allows us in the precision model to be able to build the regulatory file for them and manage that regulatory file. It allows us to build the source documentation so they don't have to. That's about a 10 hour job for a coordinator. And it allows us to build the study into the CTMS system properly to make sure that they're able to then run reports and, and uh, go through the financial aspects that they need. What is your business model uh, you know, in both these companies? How do they pay you? Like I'm, I'm, uh, the way you've narrated, CRSG seems to be more of a consulting angle and precision may be a little bit different. Uh, if you can clarify that, I think it will be helpful for uh, practices to know. You're exactly right. So, so CRSG is more of a consulting model. The role that we play at the site is more of a co-directorship, right? So we, we really partner with that site and I'm on calls multiple times a week with each of the sites that, that we work with to make sure that things are going the right direction. Once you're in the precision network, short of the cost of the, uh, of the CTMS system, which is nominal, it's, it's a few hundred dollars a month or something. So that's really the only cost to the site. What kind of a budget should they outline? Uh, and uh, does it involve, uh, you know, when they work with you, does it involve uh, costs associated with uh, building a site uh, if they don't have one because it requires space? That's a great question. So, um, so there is a cost involved, you know, obviously, um, as with any, as with any ancillary, if you build an infusion center, you're going to have to buy infusion pumps. You're going to have to buy chairs. You're going to have to do all of that. And so the equipment costs for, for, for what you need to do research, refrigerators, a freezer, you know, the, the centrifuge, things like that. The cost for all of those is around $15,000 for per site. So if you want to do multiple sites, it's going to, going to be a, uh, sort of amplified there. Again, the cost of the CTMS system is nominal and it's important to, to do it uh, individually. So rather than having just a sort of one size fits all kind of program, we're able to look at what the site's needs are and what the site's desires are. So, so I'm guessing it depends on contract to contract. Absolutely does. But you know, the, the end result is the end goal is that I want to build research in their practice that is sustainable for them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other um, models and things like that that would build research in the practice and, and continue to take it um, and give the, give the practice a little bit. I want to be able to, to have this be a sustainable ancillary for the practice. What kind of research in GI is going on uh, with the sponsors that uh, you're connected with? So there is, there's a lot of IBD research. Crohn's and ulcerative colitis um, 
in both phase two and phase three. Phase two, remember, are the, the shorter term uh, studies. Phase three are the longer term studies. There's also work in on the luminal side in eosinophilic esophagitis, celiac disease, uh, and, and many, many others. On the hepatology side, um, there are NASH trials. I think it's a great idea to, to sort of broaden out your scope and take on IBD studies and also NASH trials. There's a lot of work going on in both of those spaces. And should one sort of ebb and flow, the other one will, will perhaps be the opposite. So in other words, if we cure inflammatory bowel disease, which would be wonderful, then you still have a productive NASH program going on. One final question, uh, Chris, on uh, technology in clinical research. There seems to be a big role for artificial intelligence and more advanced technology in clinical research. Could you share your thoughts on that? So one of the things that I think COVID has taught us, and, and it was actually a conversation going, uh, so prior to COVID, could we sort of build virtual clinical research? So could we reach more patients by having a, a virtual clinical research platform? so that we can do informed consents online or, or via telemedicine, something like that. Could we conduct a visit virtually? Um, so that's, that's one side of that. Uh, a company that does a great job of that is, is RX Health uh, with their trial engaged platform. They're working on exactly that. Another piece of, of that puzzle is, is how do we get patients for our studies easier? So how do we identify those patients that already exist in our EMR system without having to do it completely manually? And, um, and a company called DayCap is, is invested in that space and really working hard, So um, as is RX Health. So, so I think there are a number of different options that if we look at the sort of the research landscape in five years, I think it's going to be very different. I think all of the aspects of clinical research are not going to be held in, in a brick and mortar uh, brick and mortar office. I think many of them will be done virtually. Thank you very much for you know all, all the insights and perspectives. Definitely very uh, educational for me and I'm sure it will be the same for everybody who's watching it. It was a great discussion this morning so I appreciate you uh, appreciate you having me on. I appreciate all you're doing. Thank you so much. <laughs>